Today's reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 7, verse 7 through to verse 25. That corresponds to page 1133 in your church Bibles. Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For what I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me, and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become dead to me? By no means, but in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it produced death in me through what was good, so that through the commandment, sin might be utterly sinful. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in the sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. We just sung these words, you alone can rescue, you alone can save. You came down to find us, led us out of death. Heavenly Father, we come to you today as a people who are unable to save themselves, unable to move our hearts, unable to respond rightly to your word. But we thank you, Father, that in Jesus Christ we have hope that you have come and saved us, you have moved our hearts. And so we pray, Father, that as we come to your word now, that we would have hearts that are willing to obey, 
that by your Spirit, Father, you would cause us to understand these words and believe them. And we ask that in your strength, you would help us to live them out. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're pressing the rewind button on Romans. We're going to go to the second half of chapter 7. Now, that's not our usual practice. We normally work through the chapters one by one. But um, the more I've looked at this part of chapter 7, the more I think this is a fitting conclusion to our series in these chapters. Because without chapter 7, you might feel that your experience of the Christian life today doesn't quite match up with the Christian life in these chapters. See, there's every chance of us that over these past few weeks, there will be some of us who feel like a huge chasm has emerged between what God says is true of us now, but what day-to-day life actually feels like. Let's give you an example to see that. Um, Take, for example, chapter 6, verse 7. It says, anyone who died, who has died, has been free from sin. Now, we saw in that chapter that Paul says you've died to sin. You've been set free from sin. The the cross means that sin no longer stands over you as a slave master cracking its whip. But then you look at your life, and it doesn't feel like you're dead to sin. If you are, then sin hasn't received your death certificate. Perhaps every day is a struggle not to give in to temptation. You find that your mind drifts onto the same habits that you hoped you would have kicked by now. Or despite some best intentions, you revert back to the same behaviors as you did in the past. And you wonder to yourself, have I really changed? I mean, you you hear that you're dead to sin, but because of the realities of life, you think that cannot be true. And you start to ask yourself, am I kidding myself? I mean, what if God has started something in me that he won't finish? What if I'm not really a Christian? So how does chapter 7 help us? Well, this chapter sets out our expectations of the Christian life. It sets our expectations on the right course. Now, how does he do that? Well, Paul here gives us an autobiography. Now, the second half of chapter 7 is a remarkable bit of Scripture because way before the time of modern psychology, Paul discusses his inner feelings and uh, thoughts. He gives us a window into him on the inside. And what do we see when we peer into that window? We'll skip to the end, verse 22. He says this, For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Now, what does that mean? Well, he's saying his life is a war zone within him. It's a war between two competing desires. See, on the one hand, there's part of him who loves God, who wants what God desires, who wants to delight in the law, but there's another part of him who wants to do the opposite, to sin, to do what God hates. When I was younger, I, would, um, I used to watch a lot of cartoons. I mean, a lot of cartoons. I spent all day doing it. Those um, five-minute cartoons you got from the 50s and the 40s and the 30s. Um, you know what I mean, Bugs Bunny, that sort of thing. 
Anyone seen Bugs Bunny? Yes, good, good, you're with me. And um, in those cartoons, often when a, a character had a decision to make, um, they would uh, have on each shoulder a, a little version of, uh, of themselves pop up. So um, a kind of angel figure version of themselves and a, a demon version. You know what I mean? Yeah, when they had a decision. And um, that would kind of symbolize the tension they were in, this kind of battle within them. And there's something of that picture in Paul, except that Paul wants the good desire. He wants to side with the, the angel shoulder, if you get my drift. He says that in his inner self, his inner desires, his heart, he delights in the law of God. But every time he does, his old self, his old desires, launch a military assault and try to prevent him doing what he wants. How does that help us this morning? Well, it shows us that the Christian life is a battle. There is always a conflict within us. There's always a conflict between the new part of you, the part of you that loves God and wants to serve him, and the old part of you that still wants its own way. See, all the time we are this side of our resurrection, there is a battle with sin. Now, there are people who will teach you that if you're a true Christian, you should be free of this battle. This teaching, it pops up every now and again in church history, that, that says you can reach a certain stage in the Christian life, and you're free from sin. You're free from, from that sort of temptation. It's a thing of the past. In fact, there's a story of the, um, the Victorian pre, uh, minister, uh, Spurgeon. You may have heard of him. He, um, he encounters someone with this view. And uh, the story goes that he invited the person over for dinner, and they were explaining to Spurgeon um, that they were free from sin, that the old man was dead, and uh, they'd started this new life. And then suddenly, Spurgeon grabbed a glass of water and threw it in the man's face. And the man was immediately, you know, got angry and started kicking off at Spurgeon. And Spurgeon said quietly, Ah, you see, the old man within you is not dead. He had simply fainted and could be revived with a glass of water. <laughs> It's a true point, and it's, it's a point that I wish I was brave enough to, to make myself. But um, the point is right, isn't it? That this side of our resurrection, there is still a battle between the new self and the old self who wants to sin. I wonder, do you realize that? I mean, we might not subscribe to that sort of teaching that I spoke about, but we can often fall into that way of thinking, can't we? We assume that if there's a struggle there's a problem. 